the city. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with star of Go Go for the Gold Season Two, Go Go Dancer, Mr. Hollywood Burlesque from 2015 to 2019, Kirby Labrea, who can be seen at Go Go for the Gold viewing parties Wednesdays at 8 p.m. and Mickey's WeHo. How you doing today, Sexy? I'm doing great. How about you, Prince? <laughs> I'm doing great. Work. So, yes. So, where are you originally from? I grew up in the San Fernando Valley uh, of Los Angeles. So, I'm a Valley boy. Wow. So, you're you're probably one of the rare people who is actually originally from LA. Who? <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. <laughs> yeah. So, work. I am from Florida, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Lots to happen there, though. Yeah. I'm still, unfortunately, in my small town. So, like, I grew up in South Florida. That's where I'm at now. I've lived... I lived in Orla I lived in Orlando for four years and then ended up having to move back here because like some shit with an apartment. Yeah. Yay, fun. It's fun living at home. Definitely. <laughs> oh, believe me, I know the the struggle. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> but yeah, I really I wanna come to Florida so bad because there are so many boylesque shows out there that it just seems like I can just bring what I've got and just plug it in to so much that's going on there. Like I, I want to perform so bad in Florida. Uh, I would say try and do it sooner rather than later. Cause those shows are probably going to go at some point. Right. <laughs> With the way the yeah, government wants like, to do is, things. Yeah. This is like their peak right now. I was even like before, um, before, 2020, I feel like between 2016 and 2020, I was like finding out about so many boyless performers and like queer performers and all these like gender non-conforming like performances in Florida. And it was just so surprising that, you know, something is happening so differently, you know, at the same time. Right. And it's honestly like, I know, well, I shouldn't say I know some of them. I know one. I've interviewed one, and his name is um, Damian Lenore. He's actually performed yes. out in L.A. not that long ago. I, yeah, I met him last time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. He's a sweetheart. I've, I've interviewed him on here before. I love get. Here's the thing. I am someone who, like, when I started this podcast, I haven't been doing interviews for that long. I'm, I'm at about six months now. It's just, it's like, I wanted to get people of all different types of entertainment on here. Mm -hmm. And because it's like, I'm a musician, but I didn't want to just like interview musicians because I feel like that might get them, that might get boring at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I yeah. Do, yeah, I do reach out to whoever I can and hope they're like Kirby and say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So what was it like for you growing up as a kid? Um, well, uh, funny enough, like falling into entertainment was just so natural because um, 
like my dad's side of the family is literally like all entertainers, like three generations back, uh, going back to my great grandmother and um, my mom's side of the family is also like kind of intertwined in that also not really musicians, but there are people who were entertainers and like lived entertaining or like lifestyles in the entertainment business. So that overlap was always just so natural and never really um, belittled. So whenever the desire came, it was always um, nurtured. Like for me, my siblings, it was always um, a very nurturing environment. So it was almost like just a matter of time, like when I would step into entertainment and like I'd have, you know, trying to find my identity was part of the part of the um, manifestation, I guess. And like my brothers, they were recording artists, you know, like R&B recording artists. So right. in a sense, I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to be something like that. You know, I'm going to be a singer or something, you know, in my head, that was what was going to happen. And um, as time went on, you know, like dance became involved because I, you know, I was like, oh, how am I going to be a singer if I can't dance? And then dance came into my life and basically kind of took over and consumed me. And after that, I feel like my singing got nurtured because of dance. And, you know, I started to become this whole just being of entertainment passion. And, you know, and that's kind of, I guess, how it, how it evolves. <laughs> Oh, I thought when you said like you thought you were going to be a singer, I thought the next day was going to be, and then I heard myself sing and realized I couldn't hit a note. Like, no, no. <laughs> Funny enough, like it, I feel like um, singing has always been something natural and almost like I took it for granted for a very long time. Like, just that, yeah, I have the singing voice because my brothers, my dad, it was just always you know, that thing. And, but I never really like enjoyed my voice until way later, I guess. <laughs> I kind of get that. Cause I always say like, I look at in terms of like me singing before I started doing drag and then like me, like, as I just like over the years, like started performing and it's like, I didn't start like loving my voice until probably like two, three years ago. And it's crazy because I've been singing all my life, but it's like, it's like, I didn't have the like thing. It's like, I, my, what I've said to people before, it's like, I've always felt like I sang too bright. And now that I feel like I've developed the, um, how do I put this? I went to the, um, Christina Aguilera school of singing and that's how I like, uh -huh. taught myself how to do like the vocal runs and perfect them and everything. And like, that's where. I did it and like through just getting so I'm like a singer songwriter so even like through like writing music I feel like that's mm -hmm. just like I just learned to love yeah like to get voice. to find your expression like your that like your voice <laughs> totally yeah yeah so what was it like for you coming out um very i guess really hmm very interesting it's so funny because like 
everyone who's watched me grow up would probably say like of course they knew they knew i was gay and whatever but it's like uh, that notion is starting to like it i don't know like the more i live life the more that starts to bother me a little bit because it's like even if you knew i still had that internal journey you know like no matter like not to belittle that people were there for me and they like accepted me but at the same time there was very much an internal struggle with me because um you know those internal battles with yourself can be very heavy and even if like people are saying over and over again like no matter what like we'll accept you or whatever but it's like at the same time there's something with yourself that you have to get over also and i feel like that took me a long time because um like i didn't really in high school i didn't have a lot of flings or anything like that i didn't um really find myself hooking up until the first time like my senior year in high school and um even that was just like it was like you know going to narnia to like go to sun valley and hook up with whoever this dude was and so just picture that like go, like feeling like i'm going to narnia to like get some dick and like now i gotta put it away and never speak <laughs> it again so it was like <laughs> you know think of something like that and then i feel like when i got to college i was ready to explore more but at the same time i was like scared because i was like you know somebody sees me they're gonna say so you know like thinking there's a secret that's out like all of that what felt very heavy until um i guess i met somebody who it wasn't really a boyfriend but someone i was like consistently hooking up with and that gave me sort of a sense of freedom um just because it felt like someone peeled back a layer and someone like saw me and i felt actually seen at that time you know i hate to be validated by a man but <laughs> but it is sort of like it felt like at that time something was awakened and peeled back and able to let me be a little bit free yeah i mean of course we don't want to be validated by men i had that experience as well i'll talk about it a little bit later it has to deal with body image so mm -hmm. it's like so it's like i totally get that to my coming out as i say in some ways i was fortunate i would say fortunate yeah un unfortunate so fortunate that i only had to come out to one parent because my mom died four months before I came out. So it's like, I only had to come out to one parent, which made it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But wow. Yeah. And I have an older sister who had to come out to too. The mm. unfortunate part was I came out to a youth minister. Mm. A mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Because I told him about this like performance idea I had with a knife and how I'd like practiced it. It's just doing like dramatic stuff. So I told him about this. He left the room. He came back in about 10 minutes later, he said, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. Oh my, what? So 
I went with him to get a psyche valve. I oh, passed it. I passed it. He made it seem like I was lying. And as a result, I got, oh, locked, no. I got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What on earth? I can't believe that. Yeah. And as I pointed this out to somebody, when I got out, after I had like reacclimated back into society, he had a meeting with me with this priest who all of a sudden they wanted to set me up with a counselor who wanted to pray the gay away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. It was one of those things where I'm like, that started my arc out of religion. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. as I say, I try not to judge believers now. I am not one, but I try not to judge people who are. Mm -hmm. Live your life. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. As a, yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. It made me stronger. As I say, all the like shit that has happened to me in my life and I don't know, maybe there's stuff that's happened to you. It's like, it makes you stronger, even though mm -hmm. you don't want to go through it. You literally just like, are like, why did I have to go through it? Mm -hmm. When you come out on the other side, you're like, oh. That's why. Yeah, oh, that's why. Hand me whatever <laughs> the fuck you want. I can fucking handle it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's why, as I always say to people who like, it's like, it's great you want to perform in Florida. Visiting here, I would say, no problem. Great. Nobody <laughs> moved to Florida. Nobody, like, literally nobody moved to Florida. If you are queer, stay as far away from Florida as you fucking can. Like, right. It's like, where is the timeshare bubble? <laughs> Goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what was it like for you the first time you performed? Um, ooh, shoot. We have to do some dissecting. Performed, like, strippy or performed just in general? Uh, let's do both. Um, okay. Um, well, I think I was 10 when I first ever performed, like, got on stage and sang. And I was probably being super dramatic because I was like 10 years old at this time. And already for me and my family, that was late because my brothers had been singing and wailing at every family party since they were five. And they were five years older than me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm already about to be, you know, all types of evaluated and stuff um, by my family, which they didn't. It's like, obviously they were, it was in my head. But um, yeah, I remember being nervous and it was like everybody was like about to, you know, see what I could do when I was 10 and I got to sing this song in our Black History Month concert, um, which was the song was Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is known as the Black National Anthem. And um, 
So I remember like my mom just like loving that I wanted to sing that, but also it was like important to me to sing that because um, my great aunt who had just like passed away at that time, like that was something that it was just like, that was her song. She loved that song. And um, so it was kind of like for her and also, yeah. yeah and it, it was just like, I didn't know any other way to manifest something like that being important to me. And it was just like at 10 years old, I was like, I wanna sing this song. And I told the music teacher and I was like, this is the black national anthem if you didn't know it, cause he's a white guy, obviously. So, um, <laughs> and he put me on stage to sing it. And it was like kind of a big deal at school. Everybody found out I could sing and it was like this, that and the other. And, um, and that was like, basically that kind of started everything when I was 10 and then, uh, a couple years after that, it was just like things were bubbling inside. Like I didn't really take dance classes or anything. I took choir because, um, you know, that just seemed like the easy way to get some kind of expression out. Yeah. And so um, did choir in middle school. Then I got to high school and freshman year. I didn't do anything like no choir, no dance or anything. And then sophomore year, I decided to do dance because I was like seeing my brothers like rehearse and dance all the time. And I was just like, whoa, like where does this come from? Where do you get these moves from? Like choreography, all that stuff like fascinated me. And so I decided to enroll in the dance class at my high school. And that turned into something that was so crazy because I was thinking we're gonna have this dance teacher who had been at the school for a couple years then for the when i enroll in the class literally the same day the teacher quits <laughs> and so i'm like what what does this mean i still want to take the class and so they go through this whole like months of like trying to find a permanent teacher but at the same time i was getting exposed to like three different professional dancers styles of teaching and so even though it was kind of a crazy experience, I still got like very good exposure to like a very good first exposure to dance and like vocabulary. And it was just like, literally I got consumed in dance and it changed everything from there. And I feel like even in high school, it was like, I was always daydreaming about like breakaways and like, you know reveals and stuff but never knowing what but if i'm a stripper people won't take me seriously and that's a stripper and like you know all that types of back and forth mentally and eventually you know this is what i'm doing <laughs> work i mean yeah first of all i will say some in terms of the vocal part i totally get that i was also the choir kid through middle school and high school literally only because as i said if there's like show choir glee club i would have rather done that because mm -hmm. I, I am the one who's like why are we singing these songs like from the 1400s like <laughs> can, can we sing shit that's like more modern <laughs> yeah <laughs> seriously i and my last two years of high school were when glee came out so it was like <laughs> you really thought you were doing something being in choir at that time believe <laughs> oh you're less work yeah 
See, this is the point of how some people say you can't tell black people's ages. I thought Kirby was younger than me. Turns out Kirby's older than me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dirty 30, birdie. <laughs> I literally I literally just turned 29 yesterday. So like Oh really? Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so my first time performing, I guess I'll do before I started drag and like after so i would say the first time i didn't do much like solo performing even though i knew i always knew i was destined to be an artist i was the person who like or be a musician because i was always whenever we had time in the choir class i would be in the back like corner mm. with my friend like singing him this new song that i wrote and <laughs> extracurriculars <laughs> yeah and as I said, didn't do much. And then when I started performing in drag, as I say, being a singer, I actually have one of the like weird drag weird drag experiences because I started doing drag at open mic nights. So like oh so it's like being a singer who performed electronic music, which is primarily what I write, mm -hmm. going after all the going before all these acoustic acts. Mm. Some people either loved me or they hated me, but I feel like that's how it is with like all forms of entertainers. It's either like you love it or you hate it. There's never yeah. like there's never like a middle ground because I wasn't how do I put this? I wasn't a safe artist. Mm. I still am not a safe artist, and I kind of love that <laughs> about myself. I love how I'm not like the cookie cutter, clean like Taylor Swift artist. Like no. Mm -hmm. I'm edgy. Yeah. Like one of my my vocal inspirations truly is like Lady Gaga. Love her. Yes. And like I identify with that. So like that was so as I say, what doing open mics. I did open mics in karaoke. I did that like I used to do two shows in one night. I did that for five oh, months wow. and then five months and then like I figured I'm like, I gotta get rid of one of these because like I can't be doing this. <laughs> every because i would be like leaving my house at 7 30 and not getting home until like 12 30 and night so yeah like, yeah this is not no it's a marathon <laughs> yeah. wow so, so eventually i just started performing in queer places and now being that i'm not i'm in a small town like I don't do gigs much. Like, mm -hmm. I, probably in the last year, I performed two times. Like, <laughs> just yeah, sad, sad part of living at home. <laughs> so it happens. <laughs> I know. Yeah, believe me. Like, I speaking of living at home and being a queer artist, that is like, even though my mom was like super supportive of just me being queer in general the burlesque thing actually was a huge weight on mine and my mom's relationship like when that came into the mix and when it became like central to my life it like caused a huge rift in mine and my mom's relationship she like had this whole idea that i was like cheapening myself and like you know that sort of thing um very very um 
trying to be protective, but at the same time, it it came at me in this way, like, are you trying to tell me not to celebrate what I've just found in myself? You know, I had right. to relate it to her like that, like, no matter, you know, how you're offended, you must see what I'm doing to people, what I'm doing for people that is beyond that. It's like way more important than that. I'm not just showing my grundle for no reason, like, damn it. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a huge um, obstacle for me and my mom personally. And it took a lot to, um, to you know, make her understand like it's more than me just like showing my ass and slapping my ass like i'm fully entertaining people and like kind of changing people's perspectives and that's what i'm really here to do with this you know make them pay attention yeah yeah i totally get that because like i will say like watching your stuff like you're so good like I will admit, Kirby's my pick to win season two. Like, <laughs> definitely, because there's some people who see Rico and they're like, "Oh, it's time for a white person." I'm like, "No, no, let's have let's have Kirby win this season, and then <laughs> season three, y'all put Prince Joshua on, and he can win them." Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I do. I love Prince yeah. Joshua. Um, He's good. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. But yeah, I'm all about just the queer liberation. I feel like it also like um, I feel like I'm so steadfast in trying to be in this celebration of queer liberation, just because even when I started Boylesque, I didn't even know if I wanted to be like, you know, like an out queer artist, you know, I right. didn't know how that was gonna be. I didn't know if I would be able to get gigs, if I was like gonna be a male stripper and what kind of gigs I would get. And it was so funny, but then I just started to realize like, why am I gonna go into another internal transformation when, you know, I've already done this external one, so now I have to yeah. do an internal one and change what that is. And so it it just came a point where I was like, fuck this, like, I love being gay and I don't even wanna make myself think for a second that I don't, you know, and just manifest that in any way that I can. And I feel like since, that sort of overcoming that hurdle. It's just like, I want to just get gayer and gayer. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so much, I would say probably definitely to like, especially when we come, well, for some people, not for all, like, I feel like at the time that like we were coming out, the whole like femme gay thing wasn't really like acceptable as it is now. Right. The, true. And I feel like I've always been sort of a femme centric type of person. And it always seemed like, like at that high school, college time, it was like a weird cusp time where it was like, people were trying to, you know, um, open, open it up for that. Yeah. And it was like a lot of people like rebelling against those, um, 
those tropes of like anti-feminist, you know, because I even remember um, going to the club and seeing one guy who I probably haven't seen him since then, but he was like this twink club promoter in this yeah. total gender non-conforming outfit, like dressed like a fawn or something, but like a nightclub version. And I was just like, I was 18 and I was like, I'd never seen anything like that. And I was just like, what is he? What is this? Like, what is he doing? Yeah. And he was just there like checking people into the line. And so it's like, yeah, like stuff like that really was the stuff that was just opening the curtain for stuff that is like the sensation now that people are acting like it's brand new, you know? Totally. I will say just going back to this, uh, this week's episode. So I'm going to ask, like, obviously, yes, your outfit that you wore when you performed was a, um, an ode to Wonder Woman, obviously, but was it also kind of an ode to, um, Tandy Amon Dupree? Uh, <laughs> I don't Just... know if I even know. <laughs> oh God! Okay. No, obviously not. Okay, so okay, so um, do you watch Drag Race? Um, not consistently. Not okay. uh, not the last several seasons. Okay. Honestly. So, all right, work. So anyway, what I was asking was. The reason why I thought that so, um, Tandy Amon Dupree is a um drag queen from Atlanta. She had like this viral clip where she famously wore a Wonder Woman outfit and performed the song "I Need a Hero." Mm. And she like famously like performed the song where she was like up in the ceiling and then she like dropped down. Like, oh yes, this, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, yeah. You, yeah. okay. that's why yeah. I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I'm like, it's, I don't know what it is, but I just absolutely love Wonder Woman. Like since that new movie came out, yeah. it's like, it's just everything to me. Like even just the scene where she steps out on the battlefield, I feel like is the theme song of my life. And what I visualize anytime I put the costume on, it's like that scene, like taking the cape off, showing my bracelets. Like that is like what it feels to me work so yeah have you ever felt judged being a black queer performer yes oh yeah um yeah definitely um especially in la throughout the years it is crazy like even stepping into primarily black spaces is something i've had to like um decondition myself um to step in apologetically because i feel like in like the automatic thing is to like make an apologetic demeanor so that someone doesn't have a problem with me and i feel like i've had to decondition that process in myself because i have nothing to apologize for you know it's like if they're about to try and create a problem with me just because i'm coming in and not being challenged i guess in my um aesthetic yeah people really do have problems with that and um it like frightens people maybe it intimidates people but um yeah like people see a demeanor like that and tend to um cast judgments 
before even an interaction takes place. So I have encountered that quite a bit in not so much like black queer spaces, but majority black spaces, sometimes queer spaces that lack other black people. Um, a lot of times I get to the feeling as if like I'm a novelty, like I wear heels quite a bit when I go out. So a lot of time, or like, you know, tight pants, short shirts, uh, crop tops, whatever. And sure. so people, you know, it start to do this thing where it's like, oh, a novelty, this is cute, blah, you're cute. It's like becomes that thing instead of just like, oh, you're beautiful, I'm moving on. It like, it, it always is like, you're a novelty, oh my God. Like that is where I get to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where like, you're talking about like, people like going up to you touching you like oh my god it's like yeah that so it's like yes live for somebody unless they're asking you to or unless they give you permission keep your hands off like yeah no touch yeah people. oh my god and pivotal point actually um i was just thinking about this the other day you know how when people on Instagram, if they're making like a twerking video, if they're like shaking their butt and then someone's random hand just reaches in and starts slapping their butt like offbeat and can't even hit it on the, I fucking hate that. I fucking hate that. Like if they're shaking their ass to camera. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't touch people. Shit. I've made, I've made this point everywhere. Cause I, I am the person mm -hmm. who one time I was performing and I had somebody like, I was just like sitting among people and I had like my wig snatch. Shit. Uh oh. Damn. Okay. One second, let's see if I can get Kirby back. Okay.
Okay. What's going on? Damn. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm okay. So, for those of you who are listening and watching, apparently Kirby's phone died. So, I guess I am literally trying to think of what to do. Okay. Sorry, I'm a bat. <laughs> That's okay. It's like, it's like okay. <laughs> I, I was like, I did I explain brand. <laughs> yeah. So what was I saying? Um. Oh, about like sitting, like performing. I am someone who, like, I was sitting in the bar one time and I actually had my wig snatched by somebody. Like just, like just by a mortal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just oh like, my gosh, flat out. Like, and I'm like, they're yeah, like, like, I cannot stand stuff like that. Like, what, what do you think? <laughs> they're lucky they got me in a good mood because if not, I would have taken my shoe off and beat the shit out of them. Like, yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, and I feel like the thing with, um, like, the people, as soon as they see someone start moving their butt, it's like, oh, I got to slap it. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, I seriously just don't get it. And I've now realized what my reaction is going to be every time. And I've tried to analyze it to see why. But, yeah, it's just like, I'm going to get so analytical about it. But it's like, yeah, it's like can't even hit the cheek on the beat what are you trying to make me look at you can't even smack the cheek on the beat you're like missing it it's like yeah. what is the point in looking at you miss slapping my miss slap my ass like damn it right totally. yeah i get that Bugs me. <laughs> so what was it like being mr hollywood boylesque uh, um, that was like one of the, it's like, I honestly, it still feels like one of the most important things that's ever happened to me because I feel like when, um, that happened, I had only been doing burlesque for maybe two years. Um, so I was like 22, was about to turn 22 uh, and, um, 
I I was just like so proud because it just felt like finally I was going where I saw myself going and I saw, you know, all these people like taking me seriously then also it it felt so good that like where i wanted to make an impression it was being made you know and so all these people that um i remember when i won it was so funny like the night of the festival i had actually performed two acts so i performed um one solo act for the mr hollywood category and then I performed a duet act because I had submitted a duet act with a friend of mine. And so I was in the Puss in Boots outfit, which was like for our duet act. And um, so that's what I got crowned in in like this Puss in Boots outfit. So it was like, I didn't mean for that to happen, but I was like, oh, this is like pretty cute that I'm like starting out as a kitten. And then like the next festival, I came back and was like in a lion number. So I was like, okay, yeah, I need these thematic elements to to coincide i love something like that so yeah it's like being mr hollywood has always been just one of the the things that's made the most happiest in my life and like getting that scepter and crown <laughs> yes it's always great to win things in queer spaces wouldn't know it myself because i've never won anything <laughs> but it's like but it's like, I can totally get that. So, yeah, because you you've done a lot of stuff with burlesque. Like, I saw you, like, post about it. So, if I remember correctly, it's gayest galore, right? Isn't that like... Oh, show, uh, showboys galore. Show, there you go. So, is that like <laughs> your, is that like your show or like... Yes. So, that is like my show that I produce um it was it used to be a partner effort like i had a yeah. partner who used to co-produce the show with me um yeah. but she's more focused like on her music career so the i've taken the showboys show and it's like pretty yeah. much mine more. yeah so yeah it's my creative baby it's a boylesque review with um you know group numbers solo numbers little yeah. skits things like that a little queer variety show <laughs> yeah and i literally only know about that show because you featured two people that i've interviewed on here one of whom's my friend so you've featured silver who i love yes and you've also featured my friend phoenix who like i love phoenix oh my gosh yeah, Phoenix is yes. great. Yeah, Phoenix is like my life. Honestly, he's just my life. I want him honestly in like every show um, that I do just because I feel like just it just is everything. It's, it works. <laughs> yeah. But that bitch is busy. I know that for a fact. Like, yeah. Constantly like working. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Always but, at events, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how you get to know people. So mm -hmm. that, that'll probably be like the one thing. So I always say when I leave Florida, at some point, I'm probably going to end up in LA just because like, as everyone said, it's the inevitable. It's literally 
it's easier to it's inter, it's easier to interview you interview y'all you actually show up yeah because <laughs> i've had plenty of people ghost me when i told people that they're like there's somebody's like that's happening before i'm like yeah <laughs> of course of course it has it's not something i like love but it's happened yeah mm -hmm. yeah oh lord i mean yeah <laughs> it would definitely be a little easier to facilitate probably <laughs> yeah work so what made you audition for go go for the gold um well, it's funny. I think when the first season aired, I was probably working in WeHo at a at a sex shop right near the clubs. And I remember I remember a couple times seeing some advertisements either like on the street and I saw like one on the street and then I saw one on Instagram and immediately visually i had caught the vibe of the show like i saw brian in the heels i saw um yeah. rico in the splits i saw like these yeah. familiar faces so i was like oh my god is this like a go-go competition show and it must have been like after the first couple episodes aired but um i didn't watch any of the episodes yet and then i think i helped bryant um at my shop i remember selling him uh, a top one day and I remember like I had seen him at the Abbey because he go goes there a lot. Yeah. And I remember seeing him at the Abbey and then I remembered seeing him on the poster and I was like, oh shoot, he's coming in for TV shit. And then months yeah. and months passed and I saw, I started to see they were um, posting submission calls for season two. And so I was like, kind of hesitating i was like really hesitant just because i was like how what am i gonna dress up in my living room blah 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 what am i gonna put on for this submission and actually um some more time passed and i ended up going to the hospital and when i i had to get surgery i had to get my gallbladder removed and then um at the day that i came out was like the day to submit or that was it and i was like swollen from surgery i was like all types of not trying to be on camera but i had to and i had to like put this flag up in my bedroom so i had a background like put a robe on a corset on big shiny yeah. hat did my little talk 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 and then sent a little minute and a half reel from my instagram that was like not me swollen <laughs> yeah. and um the next day he called me yeah work yeah yeah and that was it like and then yeah after that i wasn't um i wasn't as confident until he reached out to me after and said like your looks are incredible and he kept saying something about like my looks like as if they needed them like they needed to have the presence of like what i wear and me in it you know and that felt so good because i was like i knew it I knew that what I had to offer was going to be something they didn't have yet. Yeah, I mean, of course, your your looks are amazing. Like, <laughs> and like, who wouldn't want that? I mean, this is the thing. I like the fact that, like, at least this season, because, like, obviously, I watched season one. Like, 
I feel like they're like more accepting of people who aren't like traditional go go's. Yeah, this, more this season than they were last season. Totally, like and. Um, yeah, definitely comparing this season to last season, there is so much more, um, so much more to the spectrum of Go-Go in this season. Like, it's really celebrates so many more flavors. And whereas the first season, it's like there were different flavors, but everybody was kind of sticking to a, to more of a mold that they were used to. Which, um, and even like post that first season, I see like so many of the boys like in their Instagrams and stuff more expressing themselves individually. And um, yeah, I really am happy that this season is like a really big flex on individuality. <laughs> and it's like, obviously like th this is like a show like much like with any queer show, it's going to get better and better as season goes go on because eventually they're going to get money. Because, like, yeah, I know, like, it's pretty okay. I will say this I'm going to say something that I know because I interviewed Rico. Kirby's not going to be able mm -hmm. to confirm, Kirby's not going to be able to confirm what I say. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. it's very fast paced behind the scenes because they don't have a ton of time to shoot right yeah yeah and it's not a lot of it is not you know how it looks on the episode like some things are filmed twice which makes it a little more like nerve-wracking in the moment you know to have to like reconstruct whatever you just did um so yeah that's yeah that's gotta be difficult like yeah for me it's a little easier because you know like stage burlesque two numbers in a row it's like i'm used to i mean not used to it but it's like i'm equipped for such a position um but yeah it's definitely like on set in a competition environment also it is yeah nerve-wracking <laughs> i'm not trying to say um as I say, everyone, like, I love the show because I, like, obviously love all talents. I made the argument to somebody, like, in terms of me as a performer versus, like, other drag queens. I always say why more people should book me is because, like, it's, like, singing live, I can go a lot longer than those girls who are just doing death drops. And right. they can do, like, one number. You can put me on. I can do a half an hour. Like, that's just... Mm -hmm give you a freaking sweet <laughs> yeah in fact i did that going back actually to my open mic days so when i like started performing as prince electro diamond they were in between hosts so like there are times where like they couldn't get anybody to go to the night and i'm like i was the bitch who like i'm like look keep me on like i'll do five songs i don't care like mm -hmm. Like, yeah keep, we gonna keep the show going yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i love that too like i just um it's something i've wanted to incorporate for a while but um i just performed 
uh, at Mickey's last week and got to do like, you know, like a lip sync first number, yeah. like three minute number. And then I really wanted to do this thing where it's like I strip first and then like I sing after just to like, you know, add a little pizzazz and little, you know, Christina Aguilera burlesque into it. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, let me just sing a song and, and I have the track, like, just give me the mic after. And I, it felt like so good. I love that style of performing also where it's just like, you know, not expecting the next thing and yeah. loving it, I guess. Yeah, it was fun. Totally. So. So do people assume you're extremely slutty because you're a go-go dancer? Um, I I don't know actually. I honestly don't know. Um probably not. I uh I don't know actually. I don't know how to answer that cuz I think from my experience when people are like approaching me to like tip or something, I don't really get that vibe cuz it's almost like um their vibe is a little like, uh, like careful, uh, like they're afraid. So it's like that to me doesn't make me think they think I'm slutty. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I get that because like, you're not just like on a box or like, yeah. You like need a whole like area, which, which work. To me, that's <laughs> honestly like more interesting. Like a domain. <laughs> a domain. I've also been the person who's like to the um mm -hmm. to the people who are just like, oh, they just want to see straight guys when they like perform and go go dance. I'm like, that toxic masculinity shit is like needs to end at some point. Seriously. Like, yes. That is a huge thing in the you know, for me specifically, I've experienced this type of, um, you know, go-go politics. Um, because even I'm on this show, Go-Go for the Gold, but I am not, I am not working as a go-go as much as like the rest of the boys. Like my go-go is boylesque. Like that is, yeah. you know, I'm doing that more than I'm like on a box, really. Because like in the WeHo circuit it is you know not so much a priority to get a queer dancer or someone who is like someone who is in the community for the space but it's more like whatever is the visual payoff more than anything and then everything else becomes um you know not as important so it that is something that it really does bother me just because it, it's like, why shouldn't I have a job dancing for our people before someone who's gonna have a problem with someone who's in the community? You know, cause I've seen straight go-go dancers and how they act at the club and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as like, as someone who is queer, and maybe this is just me open-minded, I would rather see you, Silver, um, Christian Michael, Prince Joshua, Tokyo. I would rather see all of you perform for hours over some straight guy who's just going to shake their dick and, like, move all that. And it's like, yeah, it's boring. 
yeah and it's almost like an entitled type of performance like that is the vibe i get from most straight and i don't want to generalize either because i have met you know non-homo go-go dancers who are friendly and you know not rude and um entertaining but it's it just does something when you know they're straight at the same time it's like i don't have anything against you but it's like you what am i really gonna do with this besides give you a dollar and walk away you know it i don't know <laughs> totally huh. yeah go so, go politics <laughs> yeah. so what's your dating life been like um uh like dead silence <laughs> yeah i mean you know grinder is the is is what i use um and the apps and it's just you know i haven't had any action really <laughs> that's all wow yeah i'm like i'm like with the show and everything also i've been like not really trying to bring too many randos over like um like that so i'm i don't know <laughs> i'm in a lurking period right now <laughs> i mean i would get that especially with you being on a show now you always have to think i mean granted are you on like the biggest show ever no but like right. are you on a are you on a show that people especially queer people probably in we ho no of course so, mm -hmm. you have to, so you have to think are they here because they want to be with me or are they here because they want to be with kirby la Brea, the person who's the star of this show right and i'm like i feel like even that it's like <laughs> it's so funny to even start to formulate thoughts in that way because it's like i don't even want to start gassing myself up in any way to start <laughs> start any kind of you know mental thing like that but it is like it's it is funny to go somewhere in weho and just hear one person like mention it and i'm like oh, that was cool <laughs> they know me but yeah. yeah it's like i remember like seeing Heidi and closet on grinder so i'm just like okay time to open my grinder every time i go to weho they gotta get a load <laughs> <laughs> totally so i will say in terms of me pretty much non-existent i've been in like two relationships so like mm -hmm. i was in one for a year with someone who actually is now trans it's actually part of the reason we broke up because like is just i was the not supportive <clears throat> person who's like who's like i would have loved to have been the boyfriend who's like whatever babe if you want to transition i'm like no it's like oh. it's like you're if you're transitioning we're breaking up like because uh. i am a, how do I put it this way? I am a gay man who does not like topping, and it's like 
I've done it, but like, but it's like, right. if you're going to go this route, I know how this is going to end. Like, <laughs> I see. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was that, that relationship? Would've, that would have been so. God, we broke up in um 2017. So it's been a few years. Mm. Mm. And it's like now, especially living at home, it's like I don't want to like have to like date somebody while I'm living at home. That just does not sound like mm-hmm. fun to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can uh, I can empathize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was um. My last, I don't know, I guess I've only had two relationships really myself also. Um, One of them led to me being engaged, actually. But unfortunately, there was a very unfortunate situation. We were very much in love, but he was from Israel and um, tried to do like a, he tried to like go back and come back, like go back to Israel and then come back so he could renew his visa, but they did not let him because um, he had worked against his visa. So like he basically got deported when they, he tried to come Aww. back. And I was like waiting there at the airport for him for like hours, like on the other side and they didn't let him through. And, um, and then we tried, we stayed together. Like we were gonna get married uh, because like we wanted to be together. But it was just like, you know, that thing dropped like a ton of bricks and I had no money. I was like working on a dancer and part-time job salary. So it was like, I was trying to be as positive as possible and wanted it to work out. But I was also in a sort of denial because like, I just wanted it so bad. And he was being realistic and, you know, ripped off the bandaid after like eight months and was like, baby, it's only going to get harder after this. So like, can you just think about it? Would this really be realistic? And we decided we had to like step away from it at least until, you know, you know, something else can happen where we could meet again. Cause it's like, I never got to go to Israel. He's not, undeported yet like his ban is still active and so it's funny like this whole one of our things was like always watching drag race and so it's like with this show it's always been like yeah this little secret prayer like maybe he'll see it because it's like you know we haven't really been in touch but it's like you know not to not for a flex or anything and it's like not like i mentioned him in the show or anything but it would mean a lot for me, if he saw it, you know. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> As I will say, and then in terms of anything other than that, it's mostly sex with, for me, predominantly black guys, literally just because, as I always say, I have a fat ass and black guys are into it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, (laughs) (laughs) and it's also like i was so as i always say like some people have the like glorious story of losing their virginity at 15 (laughs) not me (laughs) yeah 
I was. I feel like I've lost my virginity like four times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was. Like, there's the being naked with somebody. Then there's someone grabs your dick. Then you grab someone's dick. And then there's penetrative. <laughs> See, I split mine up into when I first gave, when I first like gave head. When's the first time I topped? When's the first time I bought them? Because they did not happen at the same at age. The same it was, time. <laughs> no. I wish would have made my life easier. So it's like 21, 22, 23. So like I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the virginity spectrums. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Work. So have you ever suffered from body insecurities? Oh, yes. Um, yes, I, I actually did have weight issues until I was like about 16. Um, I was pretty chubby from like 12 years old to 16. And so I was always like very insecure because my brothers were like very fit, like from their whole teen years. So that always got to me also because it's like I always saw my brothers, they're so fit and I'm not. And then um, actually when I was like in my sophomore year of high schools, that's when I started to shoplift diet pills actually. And um, also like midway in my junior year, like not, I don't know if it had anything to do with the diet pills or whatever, but I was taking so many. And then also um, I became type one diabetic at the same time. Oh, wow. So it was like, and it was unchecked. So when you're not, um, when your blood sugars are extremely high and not going down, uh, yeah. your body eats its own fat. So oh, wow. I, yeah, so I lost like 30 pounds or 25 pounds in like a month or something like that. It was like jarring to everybody from the outside. Everybody was like, Kirby, you like dropped all this weight, what is happening? My mom was asking me if I took diet pills and I was lying to her because I just didn't want her to, to find out. But, um, and then we found out I was diabetic and then he took me through the whole, through the whole biological breakdown, like why I lost so much weight. And like, um, it was like really, really scary. It was like my body was literally eating its own fat and I wasn't like doing a correct diet and stuff like that. So when I got diagnosed with diabetes, it like literally everything had to flip so fast and I had to like be very mindful of my diet and um, not in, um, not in a, in a weird carb counting way, but I did have to count carbs so that, you know, I could do a, an according an according diet and um so yeah when i became diabetic it was actually very enlightening because i never was like a diet minded person but i did yeah. have to be just for functionality and so it did really help me just because now whenever i do meet someone who is diabetic if they're type 2 diabetic i like yeah. i'm glad i can give them insight and um, like I have a really close friend who's a coworker who just became type two diabetic and was like really kind of like going through a mental like overhaul. And I was, I'm just glad that I can 
be there for her among the rest of the people that have yeah. no idea what that even means, you know? Wow. But yeah. Yeah, but yeah, definitely my body issues have, and even with, you know, having to take my insulin also, that was something that worried me because I have to do it like here on my stomach. So yeah. what that means is like, I'll always have scar tissue here. I won't really ever have those like David lines on my stomach because Ooh. I have to, but um, that got to me when I was younger for a little bit, like in my teens and early twenties. And now it's, you know, not really an issue for me. <laughs> Of course, and first of all, that's crazy. I've never heard that before when I've asked this question, so that's like insane. I'm trying to process it, but it's like obviously, like as I always say, being a bigger person, I definitely had them. I had in my mind, like which was a completely unrealistic weight of what I should weigh. So mm -hmm. I'm six. I'm six foot three. My vision hey. of my vision of what I should weigh was 150 pounds. No. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, and I look at it, I'm like, I'm like, you have, you literally would be like anorexic if you weighed 150 pounds. Like there's like mm -hmm. no way that's like, that's physically possible, especially because like, I'm kind of built like a linebacker. So like, yeah. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. And, Girl, no. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was honestly like right after COVID where I basically started like, obviously I'm like exercising, trying to change my body, all that. But it's like, I got to the point where I'm like, I had to say like, fuck it. I honestly, that's when I started like wearing t-shirt dresses and body suits and drag. And I'm like, and I'm like, fuck it. It's like, yeah. if, you don't, if you don't like my body, you don't got to stare at it. Go look exactly. somewhere else. You just gotta find your own motivation. It's so funny because I I feel like COVID had such like it like it was a different effect for everybody. And for me personally, I felt like it really was a good reset creatively and yeah. physically. Yeah, like I feel like so much of my costume comeuppance came in COVID because I was like I had some money coming in from work, but I had really know where to spend it nowhere to pay rent because i was living at home so i was yeah. like let me up my costumes let me do some photo shoots let me do video shoots and then when the world opens back up i can take them live and that's what's been happening work yeah so what's your relationship to drugs and alcohol drugs and alcohol i mean I am not an avid drinker, really. I drink socially, I guess. Um, I don't really drink alone at home. I, mm, like, if I do, I might like a sangria sort of thing. But, yeah. you know, I'm kind of like that type of drinker, like a flavorful spritzer type. Yeah. But I smoke Halloween. That's, like, the only other thing. <laughs> Work. So... In terms of me, as I say, like alcohol, I'm pretty much a social drinker too. I had like one bad night where, and you know, this is a performer. There are nights where people are just like constantly wanting to buy you drinks. And like, yeah, <laughs> I had one of those nights and like I was driving home and I almost got a DUI. Luckily, like 
I was able to like my dad was able to like pick me up, so like I didn't yeah evade. In terms of drugs, I will say the only thing I've ever abused. So, okay. I have bone spurs in the heels of both of my feet. Oh, whoa. So, like, before, they're like, they're better now because, like, I'm not working a job where I'm on my feet every day. But when I was, before I got a chance to, like, get health insurance to go to the doctor, I was abusing ibuprofen like crazy. Oh, wow. Like, I was taking 18. 24 pills a day like oh my gosh wow yeah yeah oh my goodness i um wow i i i feel like maybe i could chime in like okay uh recently i had a couple like nausea things like i like i had gallbladder surgery i told you before and um that was all fucked up because basically they took my gallbladder out and found out that wasn't even the problem and that the problem was my liver (laughs) and so this liver issue has like it's not anything crazy it's not failing or anything but it's like caused like some like um nausea every now and then and usually for nausea like if i smoke some weed like it's usually like a quick fix but with this problem it has been like since last year when I lived with a roommate, it would be like I would be sitting at the bong smoking six bowls trying to make this nausea go away. And it yeah. just wouldn't it just wouldn't go. And like I had a little issue a couple days ago where the same thing happened. I was like, oh, my God, I literally just smoked six joints and I'm still nauseous. Why the fuck? <laughs> and it's so like oh my god i'm not trying to smoke all my weed either i'm like just trying to make this stop like yeah so yeah sorry i'm trying to turn my camera (laughs) no no you're good yeah it's like it's crazy i say it's crazy what we do when we like just try and stop like any sort of like illness like yeah that's something so Don't do what either Kirby and I did. Definitely, definitely don't do what <laughs> definitely don't do what I did because like I only did that for four months. Had I gone longer, I probably would have caused liver damage. Like right, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like I gotta yeah. clean my pipes and everything. Shoot. <laughs> so. What are your thoughts on how the LGBTQ community is being treated today? Oh, well, oh my goodness. <laughs> Let me go. Okay, sorry. So um, at large, I still get this sense of like people treating us as novelties in a sense, not so much politically. I'm kind of happy with like um, the liberal political agenda that is seeking to... Um, seeking to just have us be presented as equal. And I feel like a lot of um, media does do a lot of baiting, right? Is doing a lot of baiting right now. Like there's just so much stuff that is so bait um, that 
that is the only thing that kind of bothers me about it because it still comes back to this notion of like we're a novelty that they're trying to commoditize in a yeah. sense and that like our rights are some type of commodity or like a hot topic or something like that but it's like no like it, it and i feel like the way conversations happen nowadays it's hard to to um have it take its own life in that way but um yeah just like i can't stand the any way that any way that makes us a novelty that like dehumanizes us because it's like even underneath so much of a lot of this work there tends to be like somewhat dehumanizing aspects there is this one reality show i watched with um he's um he's the prince of a province in india and he's gay his name is menvendra singh gohil and he was on a show that was in england that it was about like three princes looking for yeah. love and he was the only gay one and this was in like 2012 and just the way that they treated him then is like it's crazy you can't even this guy is a prince but because his he's gay they thought they can treat him like this on camera yeah. you know and like say anything this type of way it was crazy for me to watch that in like present day because it's like all that stuff is canceled now every notion that surrounded the interaction with him i feel like is utter utter utterly cancelable but um i just can't believe that they were able to get away with something so dehumanizing like that then but like now with instagram and all this stuff and everything being a commodity and being like attractive and bait and whatever it's you know it's not things aren't too different. And especially with like pride festivities, a lot of even just the fact that pride was a rebellion is getting washed away from like people that are just like, oh, yay, gay, okay, flash titties. Like, but yeah. what about the work that's going into us surviving? You know? Right. Yeah. And I guess that, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, you're good. So, like, in terms of that, even some of the language that was used by people back in 2011, 2012, that era, like, to see my, like, greatest example I always go to is the A-list New York, where Austin Armacost was literally talking about a drag queen and used the T-word to describe them. It's like... Yeah. Like what? It's like seriously? Like mm -hmm. I thought it's like this is a show that was on logo and you're telling me that this was acceptable back then whereas like now yeah. mm -hmm. now you get you get canceled for it. Like literally Diego Sands proved that like getting canceled for doing the exact yeah. same thing. He's he was like I'm just going to say the word. It's like it's like yeah. no. It's like no. And even to like a bigger point of trans people, the like whole Rose Montoya like controversy where it's like, oh, she did this at the White House. Like that was such mm -hmm. a big deal. I'm like, I'm like, there are people fucking dying. Like, yeah. That's what y'all should be talking about. You don't need to be talking about like this like TikTok video. The, 
Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. It's very. Um, it's just frustrating. Like the the dehumanization more than anything is where I feel like people need to check themselves because it's like they're especially with like just everything on our phones it's like people are going with this notion like oh i can i can i can do that and i can do that it's like you know the accessibility i feel like is playing tricks on people's minds to make them not want to care and make them take so many things lightly unfortunately yeah yeah totally so okay to my final question, I always say this is the one that always stumps people. So, what's the biggest misconception about you? Oh, um, I definitely would probably say, hmm, it might sound funny, but that I'm only a bottom, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty hell averse, and it's not a conversation that comes uh, it's not something that comes up often but it's like something that i can it's readable on people for yeah. them to think that of me i guess and it's quite the contrary they, it's because i mean cause... bottoming is a verb it's not a noun so that. yeah <laughs> it's also it's like you're you, okay you're a little bit feminine and that's why people think that it's like it's like let's just automatically assume nobody's mm -hmm. a bottom. It's like, well, gee, how about you just ask them? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But even with that, like the whole um, that part of our culture is a funny thing to me. Like I'll call it like bottom blasting or bottom shaming, like. Yeah. You know, it's like, I feel like I was with a guy in college and I didn't like how he felt like he needed to blast that I bottomed for him in our college class, you know? And for some reason he did he, because somebody like egged him on into it. Like, oh, cause you're the bottom with Kirby. And then he like screamed to everybody like, actually he's the bottom. I'm like, okay, what is it fucking matter do you think you're controlling the situation now because you said that you know like things like that i just wonder what makes people think it matters you know in such a such an instance because it honestly for me it doesn't it's like if we're fucking we're fucking and it's like yeah. i don't need to justify this that or the other but for some people it is something else you know and to that it's like what the people who do bottom shame it's like well gee i'm pretty sure you're the one who wants something to fuck <laughs> yeah it's like you're gonna judge somebody it's like this is what you want babe baby yeah you are so afraid of taking something up there that you're gonna put yeah. me in the position. Yeah, it's just like, and it's a lot in the media too, like in a, a lot of like Instagram little like quick, it's a lot of those like quick jokes that just like, that you can just like let people let go. And that's the thing where I'm like, but I'm not gonna let it go because it actually 
is that important if you're gonna try and shame me for something, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, with that, <laughs> be, with that being said, it was great having you on. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Wait, wait, what is the biggest misconception people have about you? I don't, yeah, usually guests not call me about not getting away with this question. So <laughs> certain people will say I'm extremely shady. I'm not. It's like sometimes I'm, I'm not, I say I'm not shady. I'm just blunt. Like mm -hmm. it's like if I have, a, it's also there are times where like I'll like even doing this, there are times I've written shady questions and I'm like, I'll just write that down and I'm like, Oh, that was shady. A great example was, so I've interviewed Phoenix before. And in the first interview, like one of the last questions I asked him was, because he lives in LA, does he have real friends? And like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm, and, uh, and he, he said, oh my God, the shade. I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a little umbrella <laughs> but my thing was especially that first interview he was the first person i'd ever interviewed in la so like i had so many like misconceptions about how people were going to be in la mm -hmm. which you probably know living there stuck up egotistical, oh, yeah. um only care about following won't it won't listen to you if you don't have above this like mm -hmm. That's what I went in. And once I found out that there are people who aren't like that and anyone who is outside of LA, there are nice people. There yeah. are also a lot of assholes. It just all depends on who you talk to. It is. Yeah. And a theory, a theory that I've started to entertain is that most of the, like most of the LA unpreferable notions come from transplants. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. It's like the, the people who are like that. It's like, yeah, that person's probably a cunt in their hometown too. It's like, <laughs> the only difference is they moved to LA and they now surrounded themselves like that fake that, oh my gosh, like totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I miss you, girl. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. It's like, okay, gotta no. go back. <laughs> no. It's like to those people, I'm like, keep your distance. It's honestly why I don't have many like drag queen friends because like I have superficial friendships with a lot of drag queens because it's like mm -hmm. I'll I'll trust you one bit. <laughs> it's like because I hear about the shit you're talking about me when I'm not there. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did the research. <laughs> and for me, it's like I always say in terms of like being blunt to my point, it's like this is the way I always look at it. It's like why I'm so blunt and honest with people. It's like, look, I've been suicidal twice. I don't there's no guarantee that tomorrow's gonna be here. Ooh. So I might as well say what's on my mind now. Mm -hmm. 
And if I live to see tomorrow, I'll deal with the consequences of my horrible decisions. That. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <Right>. Amen. <laughs> I do. Yes. Yeah. Where am I? Outro. Right. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think so. With that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. <laughs>